welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm joined again tonight by my co-host, Wilkie Law. Will, what's going on? What up, what up, what up? Everything's good. Awesome. And uh, we feel so fortunate uh, to have Eric Crouch on the podcast this evening. Eric, how are you? How are you guys doing? Awesome, awesome. Well, we are doing... We are doing excellent. We are uh, got connected with with Eric uh, via Instagram as well, but we're super excited because he's one of the uh, presenters at Teacher Heart Out in Las Vegas, Vegas, which is only now two weeks away, I think. Two weeks away. It's coming up, man. It's coming so, up. Two weeks away. So we're thrilled, thrilled to have you, and we're we're really excited for this conversation, man. So we really appreciate you taking out some time tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. All right. right so, um, as, we, as, as I know Kyle was talking about before, the purpose of the podcast is to make sure that we get authentic teacher voices out to the masses so that people can kind of really get a glimpse and a, and, a, and a quick look into the minds of what teachers are saying about education itself. Because that's a big part of what, what will help shape and reframe the, the whole system of education is getting those authentic teacher voices heard so that people can see how the decisions need to be made in education. So that's kind of the premise of what we're doing. We're trying to make sure we bring back that value of the education system and the teachers so that everybody can kind of see that on an even page. Um, so uh, we're going to jump right into it. The first question is, uh, tell us the story of how and why you became a teacher. So kind of a funny story. I actually did not set out to be a teacher. I um. I actually started out as a professional photographer, and I was going to school at my local university, and um, I decided to just enroll in business courses, because that seemed like the natural route as a business owner, and so I really quickly began to see that there was really no purpose to me going to business school, so I actually withdrew fail, and um, I dropped all four classes, uh, made F's on all of them, didn't think about it at the time, and how that might impact me later on, and um, I told my wife at Thanksgiving that I was dropping out of school and I was going to pursue photography full-time, and she told me that she was going to pursue a different boyfriend full-time, and I said, wait, wait a minute now, um, I said, I said, what does that mean? She said, well, you know, what if photography doesn't work out? What if five years from now you don't like it, and how are you going to be able to get yourself back into school, and uh, I hadn't really thought it through. Uh, very well, and so I decided that I was going to go back to school, and so um, I knew that I didn't want to do business, and uh, I kind of came about education in an odd way. My brother didn't really have the best education coming up, even though it went to the same schools. He was not as privileged as I was to have. I had what I considered just average teachers, and he had what I would consider to be below average teachers, and um, it really set him back a few years, and it took a lot of work to get him up, and I thought, what what an opportunity it would be to go and work with kids, and to make learning fun, and to make class a place where kids would want to be, and to create experiences for kids that they would remember forever, and uh, and make learning a magical place. So I went back to school, and I, and I went into the College of Education, and I said, I want to be a teacher. And they looked at my grade point average, and it was a 1.7, and I was on academic probation, and they kind of laughed at me. And uh, it was uh, it was that was that that was my journey in teaching, and so I went back and retook all of those classes and uh, got my grade point average up, uh, passed obviously early childhood education, and have been rocking it ever since. So 
So, so at at the time at the time you were gonna quit school, uh, was it your is it your wife now? Was she your girlfriend then, or was she your wife then? Oh, she was she was she was technically my my girlfriend at the time, and uh, and we were we were very serious. Uh, I was actually gonna propose to her in the in the spring, and I thought, man, I better, I better really can reconsider my options if she's that serious about school. And for her, it was more about security and thinking about long-term goals. And for me, I was just looking at short-term goals. And I was doing really well as a wedding photographer. And uh, I, I just thought, you know, this would be the route that I would go. And I don't have to do school. And I have great hours and uh, lots of opportunity. And uh, I did really well as a photographer. And um, it just didn't pan out. And come to find out, she had the better vision long-term because I got burnt out with wedding photography and ended up not enjoying it because I love teaching so much. So... We would all be we we are all better off uh, because of the wisdom of the women in our lives. I can I can say that's a fact. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Amen. And and where where did you and your brother go to school? Where did you grow up? Uh, we grew up in Columbus, Georgia, and uh, we both. I actually had a different elementary experience because I changed schools when we moved prior to him enrolling in school. So I had a different K-2 background than he did, and he just kind of got set back a few years. And so when, you know, when I started thinking about what ways and things that I would like to do, I had worked in our church nursery and worked with the youth a little bit, and I thought that would be really an interesting place for me, and I, I feel like that's a space that I'm comfortable in and that I could do well in, and I thought, let me, let me go see what this is about. And from the first education class on a few years later, yeah, I knew I was in the Man, that's that's a that's a cool story to to get to to where you've gotten, you know, and and. <laughs> I mean, when I was a photographer, I actually did some civil service contracts for the army, and we got to do all kinds of crazy stuff and see crazy things. And I was doing wedding photography, and to think that I was, you know, my like my my real passion would be teaching. It doesn't quite line up where I thought it would be because I was doing some really cool stuff. It just wasn't where my heart was. Uh, and it, it turned out to be uh, more fulfilling and rewarding to be in the classroom working with kids. So right on, right on. All right. So if if you don't mind to to continue to kind of get things warmed up, if you just finish these phrases, we we'd be super appreciative. So the first phrase is the value of a great teacher is priceless. Uh, the impact a teacher has on a kid, on on their faculty, on their colleagues, on families is priceless. It's a, it's a generation changer. I have so many friends that talked about the impact that a teacher has had on their life and then how that affected their life and their family's life for years to come, how it influenced them to go to college and, you know, aspire to do more. Uh, so a, a, a value of a great teacher is priceless. I know we're, do, we're wow. doing these, but, but I really want to ask you a follow-up question to the story uh, about your brother and how you got into education. Um, sure. When did you notice that your brother had, a, like, when did you become aware that your brother had a different experience than you, and when did it 10. really change your mind? Yeah, no, I was 10, and I, I just remember, he had the same teacher back-to-back -back years, and I just remember the frustration on his face when things just didn't make sense, and it didn't feel like anybody was fighting for him except for us, and I remember my mom pulling me in to work with him, 
And I just remember being kind of turned away uh, from that experience and thinking kind of negatively about what was happening and, and how that was affecting him and how we were having to work to, to make it better for him. And it just, it was frustrating to, to see that, you know, um, that wasn't quite my experience. And uh, later on, it made connections that there are probably other kids sitting in other places that maybe not are not getting the best experience. And, um, you know, now my, I feel like my goal is to share what I do and what, what can be done in the classroom so that people can uh, have the courage to try some different things and, and to take some risks with kids and to have fun and to learn at the same time so that maybe those kids who don't feel as seen as other kids have an opportunity to uh, share what they're fluent in, right, and share what they're great at. And it may not be the things that we as teachers are comfortable with, right? Like, I'm not a big worksheet guy. Like, I can't pull out worksheets and prepackage stuff, and um, I just don't learn that way. And I, I feel like if we have a bunch of learners in a room and, and we're not trying to meet each of their needs individually and, and, and really pursue them as a person and, and what their goals and what they can aspire to be, then, then we're not in the right place. And so I thought, what, what better way to showcase this than to model? Because that's what we're supposed to do as teachers is model. And so um, so that's so that was, that was it. So I was probably 10 when I realized what was going on. My brother would have been six. And so this is, uh, I think that would have been, uh, kindergarten, or no, first and second, maybe, I think at the time. I think he's got a late birthday, but, um, but yeah, he, he really struggled in those lower grades with picking up how to read and, and uh, some of the basic math, and I just remember sitting there working with him for some problems and working with him on reading and, and thinking, you know, I just don't remember this being this difficult for me, and I could see the look of frustration on my mom's face and not knowing what to do and how to help, and, you know, he's not, he's not a, you know, he's not a disabled learner. I mean, he's just a normal kid like I was and it's just the teacher did not speak the same language as him and wasn't willing to work with him and it was just frustrating and so anyways that was kind of my connection back to teaching which was this is something that I could do and that I would be successful in and, and fell in love with it. Yeah so you know we, we had a couple more phrases but I think we're really kind of floating uh, the direction we wanted to go so we're just going to roll with it. So so based on you know that experience you had with your brother and your experience and, and now the experience you've had as an educator what do you think is the state of education right now? Well for me I mean I honestly I think there's never been a better time to be a teacher. Um, teaching has gotten me a lot of places and gotten me to meet a ton of amazing people. Earlier today, I was uh, texting back and forth with the producer, the former producer of the Rugrats and working with him about a future animation project. Uh, I've worked with uh, Mimi Bobek from the Drew Carey show. I, I mean, I've talked to educators all across the world. And so the things that I see when I'm in their classrooms or that I see online, they really encourage me and inspire me to see that teaching is not where it was years ago when I saw my, what happened to my brother. And I, I feel very fortunate to be in a career that I love and to be around people that I know are crushing it for kids. And I, I feel like the state of education, is, from a teacher standpoint, is, is the best it's ever been. We're doing better than we've ever done before. You know, oh, the teachers walk out, oh, the teachers upset about this, oh, the teachers this. 
and it gives this ne- negative connotation about everything, and I'm just, it's, it's very refreshing to be, you know, since we started doing this podcast, having these conversations with teachers who are, who are saying, hey, I'm optimistic about what's going on. You know, at least I think we're having a seat at the table. You know, we're actually building up that audience who's listening to us as educators. Absolutely. And I think social media is a big part of that because education using social media gets your voice out there so much faster. Yeah. And it, it gets it to the masses so that you can gain that traction on a, a cause that you're trying to champion. And I think that's a huge difference than in, in years past when teachers were in their little silos just teaching in their classroom. Right. When we used to get it to do a powerful work and it's student driven and teachers are you know, leveraging social media uh, to get their voice out there. I just don't see any other way to look at that other than to say, wow. I mean, think about what my experience was like and what we were limited to based on just technological capacity when I was in school to look at what's available now. I mean, I have friends doing crazy stuff in the classroom, and I just know that the world's going to be a better place because they're doing it. And that's what makes me hopeful. So... Yeah, I, uh, I definitely think education is in great hands. There's some absolutely phenomenal teachers uh, rocking it in the classroom and, uh, and and really doing what's best for kids. So I, I'm, I'm absolutely inspired every day uh, as a teacher because I get to see the great work that people are doing in classrooms and kids. And that other stuff, there's nothing you can really control the narrative as far as that unless you're proactive and pushing out your your you know, your student's voice and sharing with the world what great things we're doing. Because if we don't professionalize our profession and we don't share our student's voice, then who's going to do that for us? And that's a scary question to ask if it's not the best teachers. Wow. I love when you said that. Professionalize our profession. That's perfect. And, and I really, you know, to that point, I really like that you you – believe that the emphasis is on the teacher because I, I think so much of you know what we felt and what teachers on a whole feel is that they're powerless because of all the people who sit in those high places but we're really not like we have you know we we, we believe this wholeheartedly that you know teachers make up one percent of the U.S. population but they're the only group that has an, an impact on the other 99 percent.
uh, learning and collaborative opportunities to where they can share experiences and, and get to know one another and break down some of these cultural barriers. Man, when I see stuff that companies like Empatico and Skype are doing to, to kind of build the next generation of leaders, I'm just not, I just can't help but to be inspired by what's going on. So I, I really feel like things are in a good place, and I think we'll see that when these kids come over because that, you know, that kind of is what I believe. My belief is that the students are, they have the answers to all of the problems that we've created. I mean, we as a generation and the generation before us have put a lot of problems into this world. And we're relying upon these kids and these teachers. We have no more important job than to help those kids unlock those answers. And so to help them see that they are the hope that we have in our future is, is the most important thing we can do. And I think we have to be innovative in how we do it. And so it can't look the same way it did 20 years ago to be successful. So we, we need those young ideas and young minds. And that's why I hope that we can share that message and, and make teaching look fun so we can bring young talented professionals to our profession to get our young, youngest and brightest minds even more prepared for the future that awaits them. So, You know, you're right on target. I've been in professional development the last couple of weeks, um, and one of the slides that the presenter put up, Andy McNair from uh, Waco, Texas, she said, teaching the same way we did 20 years ago is like handing a kid a cassette tape and expecting them to have a way to play it. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> and when you just spoke that exact same thing, I mean, even from the global standpoint, she introduced us to um, the global classroom that the United Nations put out with these global issues. And you have the kids working in these genius, doing this genius hour to, to unlock these issues. Because again, we can say all day long kids don't have critical thinking skills, but many of our kids rely on critical thinking skills in order just to survive day to day. Well, and what happens in the end is you really don't need to know the difference between a vascular and non-vascular plant for most professions, but you do need to know how to work collaboratively to be able to communicate effectively and, and, and you know, and, and to be able to think critically. I mean, those are going to be the things that are going to last much, much, much longer. And so thinking about those goals, and then we think about things like sustainable and renewable energy sources and how we can help other places and how we can use the tools and the resources that we have to help others who don't have it opportunity have i mean i just i see so many people doing so many great things i just love what's going on in education and that's why i'm here i wouldn't do it if i didn't love it so right 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 so so to that point um i really love how when you put stuff on youtube or instagram instagram that your kids are always involved so I know you've been talking about, you know, the, the need to give kids experience, but why, you know, really get your kids involved with all that stuff that you put out? And, and for the record, it's fantastic. The oh, stuff you're putting out is, is hilarious, but it's also very, like, timely and appropriate. So, but the, but the main question is, you know, why do you put such an emphasis on getting your kids involved? Okay, so um, there's, a thing, there's something about vulnerability of video. Right? I mean, you can't fake it. I mean, you're there. So um, you can hide a lot in a picture. As a photographer, you can frame it just the way you want to. And uh, you can you can really, it's kind of like that book, Live by Statistics, you can really fake it. Uh, but with video, there's some sort of vulnerability that I think connects with the, with the audience better. And I, I want my kids to be proud of who they are, where they come from, what they're doing. And I think the way we do that is by taking down the bulletin boards of the classroom 
and knocking out a hole and putting in a window and letting people see what we do. And uh, as Rita Pearson famously said, kids don't learn from people they don't like. And I think, you know, being in a classroom where kids want to be and being the kind of person that kids want to learn from is really important. And the things that they value, I mean, think about it like this. If I were to come to you and ask you what are the things that you value and I were to ask you to take those things away from you for eight hours a day, every day, how would you feel about your experience with me? So if I were to come in and take away the type of music you listen to, I take away the type of job that you think you might be interested in or the things that you like to do, maybe that's video games or gamification, whether that's music, whether that's country, rap, pop, Korean music, doesn't matter. If I ask you to sacrifice on your values, how is that going to change your experience? And so we don't try to sacrifice anybody's experiences. What we try to do are, are values. Uh, what we try to do is we try to accentuate them and make them, uh, you know, a focal point of what we do. And so I think getting kids involved and sharing what it is that they're good at and sharing the things that they love to do and, and the things that they think are fun. Like, you know, every kid wants to be a YouTuber. Well, let's be a YouTuber then. And let's see what it takes. And so what we've done is we've created a film team that goes from third to fifth. And then when those kids come to fifth and they're in my class, we work on videos in class, of course, but they work a lot after school to make the production part happen. Because I pretty much hands off on most of the things that we do, unless it's like a vlog that I'm doing. Um, but the kids usually are responsible for a lot of video. And so they're on the other side of the camera and they're cutting and pulling through video and uh, it's important for them to learn what it takes to do those things because you can't have them believing that they can go out and do that. And that means including Skyping YouTubers and saying, hey, how do you do this? What do you make for a living? How do you make a living? I mean, what do, what do you do? What does your day look like? And the kids get to experience, you know, different opportunities that they may not get to see. And I, I know what it feels like to sit in a room and not be seen. And I don't want a kid who thinks, oh, I can't show that I want to be a YouTuber because my parents think that that's ridiculous. That's, that is nonsense. I, I know plenty of people who are YouTubers that make a great living. And so uh, I want them to see what's available for them. And I want them to know what it takes to make that dream a reality. And so, um, and then what happens is they fall in love with filmmaking and they love the, the idea of editing and revising. And so we get back into language standards and they're basically doing everything that we're doing. And so, um, in language arts, so it works great, right? There's, you can do theme, you can do revisions, editing, you can do narrative, you can do scripts, you can do all kinds of, you can do informational video. I mean, you can do all kinds of stuff and incorporate it all in. You just have to be innovative in how you think about what do you want for your kids? What are their dreams? Not just what do I need to do to get the job done, but what are their dreams? What do they want out of this? And then how do I incorporate that into it? And this year, it was just predominantly video. People were just really, and kids were really interested in video. We had a video, I think, a while back go viral and had 20 million views. It was a hand sanitizer video where uh, we had actually had a kid get sick, and uh, he went to the office. And he tried to come back in the room, and the kids were like, no, 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 don't come back in, because it was going around pretty rampant. And so I went and put gloves on and took him his stuff so I wouldn't get sick, and then I sanitized the gloves just to be funny. And the kids were like, you should put on your gas mask, and we should make a funny video about this. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And I think that five minutes that we spent to make that has been seen 20 million times. And yeah, it's silly to think that of all the things that we've created, that's what people have seen 20 million times, but it made my kids feel special and there's nothing like them being able to say, Hey, I would like to do this and have a teacher that allows me to go and explore every once in a while, see what that looks like. And it's okay. It's okay to get off topic just a little bit 
because that's part of building a relationship and building trust and understanding that, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm there to serve them. And that's a part of what we do. And then it's my job to figure out how to make that, fit that into what we're trying to do um, as a school and as a, as a district and as their teacher, you know. So um, it's just, it just it involves a little bit more work, but it's worth it. So the video stuff, I know it's a long-winded answer. It was kind of full circle there, but uh, we do video because kids like video. I mean, that's pretty simple for, for the way it comes back to – you know, the heart of the issue is the kids love to be on camera, and, that, and a lot of them believe that they're going to be YouTubers. So let's let's give it a shot and see what it looks like. So, it's important. Yeah, man. It's, it's important to have an adult reinforce what you believe because you don't know how many of these kids go home and don't have an adult give them a positive voice of inspiration. They say, oh, right. let's try it. So that, right. that you know, itself might be the thing that they need. Right. I tell my daughter, my daughter, our, our saying in our house is, the one with the most experience is win in the end. Mm-hmm. So, at the end of the day, the, our job is, I told her, I, said, I can't tell you what I want you to be. I can't tell you what you should be. I can't tell you anything. All I can do is provide you with experiences that you can figure it out on your own. But there once you go. figure it out, let's go all in on that. And if you find out, whoa, that's not it for me. Teaching is my third career choice. I went all in on two other career choices before teaching. And when I went in with teaching, I was like, this is it. You know, you get that goosebump feeling every yes. time you walk into the building. It's like, this is what I've been called to do. And I think that we have to make sure we get students to see and discover that sooner because the world is moving so much faster for them. It's you know, so true. It, it's, it's so exponentially growing that what's in today, you know, three months from now, I mean, four months, what, iPhones come out, what, every every six, seven months, eight months, they come out with a new iPhone? You know, so it's like, once you get used to one, you've upgraded. And that's one of the things we talked about in the, in, the, in, the, in the PD was that, you have to understand, students love the idea of being able to level up. That's why they love video games. I get to level up. So if we're helping them level up in every aspect of their life, them sitting down and paying attention to what I have to teach them about math or you with reading or social studies or science, I'll do it because in the midst of that, I'm still thinking about how is this going to work for me. Exactly. You're not and telling me how, but I'm thinking about it. That's exactly it. That's, I mean, and that's all student voice is just being able to say, you know what, this isn't about me, this is about them and how I can help them get to where they can be. And when, when they believe that you believe in their dream, they'll do anything you want to. And as uh, much as it may seem silly to take five minutes to make a video, five-minute video makes all the difference in the world, man. It makes all the difference in the world. So. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, on, on that topic of, you know, your Instagram, I saw one of the videos that I thought was one of the coolest ones. Um, so recently, didn't your class just get a, a set of Chromebooks? Yes. And then, and then you decided to give your iPads away to other students? Um, I didn't decide to give them away. Um, so, so we were really, really lucky. And we were actually two to one at that time. We, we got the Chromebooks, and they overlapped for about a week or so, where we had Chromebooks and iPads for every kid. And <clears throat> we started using the Chromebooks a little bit more, and so the kids didn't really have the space for the iPads, so they put them to the side. And one of the kids was looking at it and goes, it's kind of a waste. They're just sitting there collecting dust. And I said, well, what are you going to do about it? 
are you going to do about it? He said, I don't know. What if we, what if we gave them away? And I said, well, who are you going to give them to? And so then that created a, a conversation. And what they came to the uh, realization was, was that it would be best to give them to their peers who were on the same grade level because uh, a lot of those classrooms, uh, we have one was a new teacher and one was a teacher who was um, newer to the school. And it was a good idea to share those resources with them so that those their friends could have an opportunity to use the same devices that we had and that they could share with them the things that we used on them. And so it would be a really good opportunity for a kind of a learning swap there. And so um, so I said, okay, well, let's figure out what this looks like. And so um, they gave away 10 to one and 10 to another teacher. So it was 20 iPads total. And then the, t the other 10 were my personal iPads that I had purchased over time to kind of put into our stack because we have more kids than what we originally had when I started teaching. Um, it's great. And so, um, and those iPads we just sent to Camila Kenya, to our friends in Kenya to create an iPad lab. And so, and that's a whole other global learning exchange that we'll be working on next year. But we have teachers from across the U.S. who are going to be putting together professional development. And um, the teachers and community who will be working with kids so they don't have to have a direct instruction, a direct instruction model. But our kids will do a global learning exchange. So our kids who aren't as um, competent or fluent in some of the fifth grade math facts and skills, we're going to get them to teach the third and second grade math facts and, and some of the different strategies you can use um, for problem solving to uh, second and third graders in community. And so it'll give them an opportunity to experience some leadership roles and to have a voice and, and to share back with um, some uh, global learning experiences that they wouldn't have, probably have because a lot of times we end up giving those opportunities to kids who are, you know, straight A students and always get everything right and always say yes sir and yes ma'am and they, you know, they walk in a straight line and I just, I was not that kid and I think that everybody deserves an opportunity so I thought what a great way to, to, to build, you know, some, some equity in the room and to give the opportunity to people who would not normally have that opportunity and make this their passion project and let them work together and create videos. And then in exchange, because it can't just be one way, they get to learn Swahili. And so the kids on the other end will create videos back for us, and we're working on securing Internet connection for the school. But we, um, long story short, our kids helped save that school uh, by designing a 3D-printed ornament and selling $4,000 worth of ornaments in eight days to push the school over the edge for the funding that they needed uh, within like a three-week window. And uh, we just became buddies. We actually called them originally for just to learn some Swahili, and we were going to teach them some math, and then it turned out their school was shutting down uh, due to government regulations. The fact that their school was three separate structures, and they mandate that they all have to be connected. And uh, it, was just, it was just a rough scenario, and the kids were distressed, and that was when we really got into the global learning experience and uh, and then ever since then it's just been some goodness man and the kids it's just been infectious the kids want to do for others and I think that when we teach our kids to serve each other and to serve their community and serve those who are outside of our community there's a void there that they can't fill unless they serve and that's a much different um, approach than to always receive um, and that's wow. And I just think that if we teach and instill those kinds of values in all of our children, then what we'll have is a world that will be in better hands 30 years from now. Because these kids will be the adults that have a servant's heart, that want to be out there, want to be in the work, and want to help others. 
I want to make sure that the world's a better place for everybody. And I think that's important. So, um, so yeah, so they chose to give them away. I kind of pushed them to, to, you know, to justify it. And, uh, and, and they made valid points. And so I let them do it. And I think that was very empowering for them and feeling like they have a voice in, in what goes on. And I think that they have to understand that it is their classroom just as much as it is mine. So, um, you know, I, I, I wanted them to, you know, to, to own that decision if that's what they chose to do because, you know, once the iPads are gone, you don't have any more iPads. So whatever you might need those iPads for, you don't have it anymore. So, um, but yeah, it just, it worked out. It worked out really, really well in the classrooms. It got them, you know, very blessed. And so, um, you know, I don't know. We won't have any more iPads to give out this year, but, uh, you know, like, we'll, have to, we'll have to look at what, what the next step for starting this year's is. But I, but I welcome the challenge because I see that the work is worthy of the time. So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I read in your bio on when you got the Milken Award that you yeah. only have one classroom rule. Um, could you explain what that that rule is and and how that works to uh, create the culture within your classroom? Absolutely. So you know, if you've ever worked in a school, the crazy things happen, right? And have you seen Harry Potter where they have the wall of like seventy thousand rules, and you just think about a kid trying to memorize all the rules? And so I thought. You know, I remember when I was little, there was this bracelet that said, WWJD, it's what would Jesus do? And the idea was if you were going to do anything bad, you would look at this bracelet, you would kind of think about what Jesus would do, and then it would maybe deter you from doing it. And I thought, what if I could coin a positive phrase that would be simple, it would be powerful, and it would cover everything? And so I came up with, make Mr. Krause proud. And it sounds a little silly at first because parents are like, why do they got to make you proud? Like, you know. And, but the idea is that if they're making me proud, they're probably going to make their parents proud. And so the idea was we don't have to focus, you know, you shouldn't jump off the table and drop kick Johnny, or you shouldn't pick your nose and put it under the table or, and then flick it at somebody. Or, you know, we don't have to tell the kids what not to do. What we should do is help them learn how to think through their decision-making and make decisions that will make the people around them proud. And so if we can teach them to think and not just follow, then I think we have a, 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 a better opportunity for them to be successful. And so the idea is if you're doing something you're not sure if I would be proud, it's probably a good idea to not do that. And, uh, and then what I love about it is, is the kids love to follow up with me and they'll say, you know, earlier today we were on the playground. I was going to do, you know, I was you know, going to be ornery and do something. And I thought about it and I realized that, even though it wasn't a terrible thing, maybe not the best thing, and so I didn't do it. I just wanted to make you aware of that. And that, like, just melts your teacher heart because you're sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, you get it, right? Uh, and so that was that was one of the things that I thought, you know, when we established this really simple, easy-to-remember positive statement, which is make your teacher proud, right? Make Mr. Krause proud. I hope everybody can steal that and understand the power of something like that. Because we're in fifth grade, we shouldn't have to tell each other to not hit, kick, scream, punch, and fight. That should be understood. And so um, I don't want to come off as a barbarian, you know, and say, oh, you can't do this, can't do that, can't do this. I, I, you know, my question is, is how do you think I feel about what you did? 
Wow, that's, that's, that's powerful. You know, I, I always say, you know, I'm a parent, and I know when you tell a kid not to do something, you just trick their curiosity of why. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about that that you're telling me not to do? And now I'm even more curious than if you wouldn't have said anything about it anyway. And, you know, I was guilty. I was, I was Hogwarts. I, when I first started teaching, I had a bunch of rules. You know, and I realized quickly that I don't have a group of creators are not really good rule followers. No, they're not. <laughs> so I said, I, I changed my rules. I got rid of all of my rules. And I said, my rule stands on three principal pillars. Respect, integrity, and pride. We defined each one of those, we modeled them, and then the conversation was, I don't have to give you rules of what not to do, because either you're respecting someone or you're not, and if you're not, you're not spending on what your class is built on. You know, everything is summed up in just those three things. So, you know, I love the simplicity of make two cross signs. That's simple. I mean, any kid can figure that out is understand, okay, I want I want to be happy. I want you to stick your chest out and brag about me. You well, know that's the, and that's the and that's the end of the day conversation, right? I mean like what did you do that's gonna make your family proud of what you've done? It's very much like the football jersey effect, right? Your oh, name oh, is oh. on the back of your jersey. You represent your family. When you go home to your family, did what you do on the field or in the classroom represent them well. Because I don't know any kid that doesn't want to go home to a cheerleader. It's going to say, yeah, you did awesome, right? Like, nobody doesn't want that. Everybody wants that. And so thinking about instead of looking at what you shouldn't do, let's think about what could you do today to make me proud, to make your family proud? What are you going to do? And it doesn't have to be anything major. You know, it can be simple things. Like, you know what? Today I decided that um, I was going to pick up the extra paper towels uh, on the bathroom floor even though I didn't drop them. And that's a pride thing. You know what I mean? Like that's that's. I, I want my school to be clean. I want kids to want to be here, and I want I want it to be nice for everybody else. And and that's a that's something that I'm I would be impressed with. You know, I mean, going the extra mile, doing what you're supposed to be doing, caring for others, uh, you know, putting someone before yourself. And so you're right. You're right on it. It's just thinking about the positive things that we do want to see in kids, and then showcasing that and saying, hey, this is what this is this is what it's all about right here. It's you know these. <laughs> These things that we believe that are valuable uh, in teaching our kids, because if we don't model it, you know, we're leaving it up to somebody else to do that. Absolutely. Right. You know, we can't guarantee what model they're going to give us. That's right. Right, right. All right, so kind of kind of back to something we circled uh, to earlier, our excitement for uh, Teach Your Heart Out Las Vegas. Uh, you're going to be there. Um we're going to be there. We are also thrilled to, to get to be a part of the cruise next summer. For uh, That's going to be insane. So, you know, for maybe the people who are listening that haven't, uh, that aren't familiar with Teach Your Heart Out, um, you know, when they go to an event uh, put on by Teach Your Heart Out, you know, what, what can they expect? What can they get out of it? Why should they go? Okay, so Teach Your Heart Out is, uh, was created by some educators. Um, that believed that professional development needed to be taken up a notch. And so uh, one of the most important things we can do as educators is continue to, to grow and to learn. And so, um, so Teach Your Heart Out is really a 
professional learning that is fun, engaging, and empowering. It's meant to equip you with strategies and skills that you can take right back into your classroom and put it in place. Um, it doesn't have the feel of a normal conference. It's a lot more energetic and engaging. Uh, but really, when you leave, the idea is that you will be ready to pour your heart out into your classroom. And you will leave inspired, having listened to some of the amazing presenters that will be there. And you'll feel encouraged. But more importantly, you'll feel equipped. You'll, you'll, you'll feel like you have the tools that you need to go back and start today. And, uh, and I think that's it. And having known a lot of the presenters um, and the people that run the conference, you just couldn't ask for better people to be a part of, uh, of an event. And to know that we get to add more people and bring more people in and get to go across the country uh, and see different you know, cities and, and share all of our stories and, and our practices and, and work together, um, it's definitely an experience like no other. And it's definitely not a we're up here, you're down there. We're definitely all in this together. And I think that's the thing is that we all have that common thread, which is that we want what's best for kids and we want to share what it is that, you know, that we've been able to do successfully in the classroom with other teachers who are also doing amazing things in the classroom. And we like to hear their stories and, and get to know them and, and develop relationships from there. And it, it's just a, it's just a great place to be. And it's a fully immersive two days where you you're exhausted at the end and you want to take a nap. So uh, it's, it's going to be a blast. Vegas is going to be a blast. I can't even wait to get on the cruise, man. That is going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we've uh, we've been talking a lot about the uh, the event Friday night in Las Vegas and uh, and and what what was the appropriate thing to wear, you know, because we weren't sure how <laughs> how dressed up. And I I emailed Michelle. It must have been yesterday, and and told her that we weren't sure. And I would, you know, she checked up and she's like, yeah, it should be fancy, you know, whatever you would wear to a cocktail party. And I said. I told her that was good because we were thinking about wearing the the powder blue and the orange suit from Dumb and Dumber, so we yes. won't. <laughs> Listen, man, this is such a fun group. It's going to be awesome. Last time we had a pajama costume thing, and there were folks in the T-Rex outfits. You know what I'm talking about? Those inflatable ones? And, and Go Noodle was there, and they were rocking it. And it was just incredible. And uh, it's, it's such a fun group. And what was great is to be able to – to kind of pull that plug and just relax and have a great time with educators that all want the same thing, which is to make the profession better. So it, it's just fun. And then getting up there and dancing and having a good time and, uh, and just, you know, exploring with the go noodle folks, what they've got going on and coming out a little popsy co every once in a while. It's fun. It's fun. Right on. Right on. So we uh, we definitely want to make sure we're being respectful of your time. We know you're busy, so we're gonna kind of get into our to our wrap up questions that we ask at the end of each podcast. So, um, if you could give one piece of advice to a struggling teacher, what would it be? Uh, I would say find your teacher tribe. You know, we're all stronger when we're together. And I would encourage struggling teachers to step outside of their comfort zone. Hop on Twitter, Instagram, look at some hashtags that they're you know maybe interested in, maybe Ed Chat, something like that. Get going, Sat Chat. Get on some Saturday morning chats, or uh, to just get plugged in and find your tribe, find the people who believe the same things you believe, that teach the same content areas that you teach, and get connected and start having those conversations. I know for a lot of struggling teachers, it can be because they don't feel like they have the support in their building, and sometimes you you've got to feel comfortable enough to walk away from that building or walk away from that environment and say, I can get my learning from somewhere else until 
I can get to a situation where I can be where I need to be. But I would say find your teaching tribe. Nice, nice. And uh, and a book you would recommend that everybody read? Oh, man. Anything by Seth Godin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anything by Seth Godin. Uh, one of the ones I'm reading right now is uh, the, I think it's called The Icarus Deception. And uh, he's talking about it's far more dangerous to fly too low than it is to fly too high. Because a lot of times we fly low because it feels safe, but when you settle for low expectations, you kind of rob yourself of opportunities to dream big, and in turn, you guarantee yourself less than what you're capable of. And it just, that to me is a lot of what we, you know, don't have to see in teaching. It's, it's don't settle for down here when you can take what's up here. And so, um, not being afraid to, to fly towards the sun and, and, and give it everything you got. Failure's a part of the problem. You know, people are afraid to fail. It's okay to fail. Failure's a part of success. So don't worry about failure. It's going to come whether you're flying low or flying high, but it's much better to fail and fly high than to fail and fly low. So. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, um, you know, on the subject of finding a teacher tribe, uh, who are two or three people you think that everybody listening should go follow right now that you, you really look to for inspiration and, and motivation and all those things? Uh, so in no particular order, uh, Diane Smokorowski, she was a Kansas teacher of the year. Uh, she is phenomenal. She was instrumental in this Disney trip that we just got back from, professional development in Disney. Absolutely magical experience uh, where she... I mean, she just brought educators from all across the country to um, take part in a magical experience so that they can better understand what it's like to create an experience for your kids and then be able to have the tools and the resources and strategies necessary to do that. Absolutely phenomenal educator. Mike Sossical, Pennsylvania Teacher of the Year this year. Uh, also a marquee finalist for the Global Teacher Prize Top 10 finalist, which is a million-dollar prize put on by Sunny Marquee in Dubai. Um, and it usually has more to do with global efforts and collaborations. And his work is just unmatched by anybody on the planet. He is just one of the most phenomenal educators there is. Uh, and then Jed Deardberry is hands down the funniest teacher that I know, but also one of the most powerful, powerful voices, I think, uh, that is in education. Uh, he just has a way of bringing people together and uh, in making learning fun. And he makes learning fun for all uh, teachers alike. And so uh, I just feel like those three are my teacher tribe. Uh, and I feel like those are three people that everybody should know and should have the opportunity to sit in one of their professional developments at some point in their life because they'd be a better person if they did. Awesome. Awesome. So, and this can be within the classroom or, or outside. Uh, what's your proudest accomplishment to date? Right on. 
Right on. So um, before we ask you the final question and get you out of here, um, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? So, um, we, we super appreciate the time and we are, we're definitely looking forward to reconnecting, getting to spend some more time with you in Vegas. Uh, but our, our final class, our question for you is what do you want your lasting legacy to be? forward to get, getting to meet up with you uh, in person. I, I didn't think that when this episode comes out, it'll be the week of. So when other people are hearing it, it'll be that week that we'll meet up with you. But we're, we're super looking forward to getting a chance to spend some time with you. Excellent, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you.